0: You're with Julian on the Brown Note and a review of the, I think, current Australian release, The Nest, which has been bubbling around for a long time now. Will it be in awards season contention? It could actually. Think, I think it might be. Um, Sean Durkin, is he's only done two films. It seems a lot of his career so far has been on television. Uh, but he doesn't seem to have made much because he did marry uh, Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene in 2011 now that was a really interesting film and Elizabeth Olsen starred in it and back then Elizabeth Olsen was incredible in these indie films and I've said on this show a lot I get really annoyed when these really great indie actresses come up and get hoovered up by franchise movies and how many films would uh, Jennifer Lawrence have made if you took out four Hunger Games movies five X-Men movies they seem to get sucked into this world, and it's the same with Elizabeth Olsen now. She's got sucked into the Marvel world. But it was an incredible film about uh, a girl escaping from a cult and suffering from mental health problems and delusions. But his new film, The Nest, uh, is um, it has been bubbling around for about a year or so. It features Jude Law and an actress I've seen, and she's been in lots of films, lots of really big films, Carrie Coon. But I just can't quite pick who she is. Uh, it starts with Jude Law in New York. And they're basically, Carrie Coon's character trains horses for a living. She, um, There are a couple that have ideas above their station. They've got two children, uh, a teenage boy and a slightly older teenage goth chick girl. And it's at the start of the 1980s. And Jude Law's been this, he came from London as a, like a, hedge fund guy as a supremo stockbroker at the start of the 80s and he's moved to america and he's moved to new york and it's just never happened for him there it's never really taken off the family have moved around a bit and are a bit sick of it and he basically says that his old boss in london who is uh played by a quite famous actor who's not in here unfortunately but he's uh i'll just look his name because he is Michael Colkin, who's been in loads of things, has called him back to London to become a new stock wonder, and now you get um, you get the feeling of edge in their relationship from the off, and you can't quite put your finger on it. Um, one telling moment uh, is when he tells her that he's been begged to go back to London. at A party, it kind of comes out that the reverse was true, and it's never spoken about, but you see on her face she kind of understands uh, her husband's a bit of a liar and a bit of his shit as well now he is one of these really he's basically Leonardo DiCaprio in the Wolf of Wall Street he is a bull artist of a magnitude rarely ever seen um he puts on a very good front he's a salesman he's a scomo. he puts on such a good front everyone loves him he's so charming but he's got no substance really to back it up, and he also he moves their family to somewhere in England where the Queen might actually live. It is a ridiculously grand manor with her stables for his wife's horse to live in, um, and they live light landed gentry, and it is an amazing house. The kids hate it because it's terrifying. <laughs> I wouldn't walk around it at night. Those long corridors with ghosts floating around in them. Um, And you get the feeling that he's living beyond his means. And he is, massively. And he's one of these people that keeps talking about millions of dollars coming in but then asks to borrow a few hundred dollars from his wife. Because he doesn't really have any. He just spends money that he hasn't yet got. And this is a systemic disease it's a, a problem of his life and as the movie progresses we sort of look back into his past he come from very working class london stock and had a very fractured relationship with his parents to the extent where we see his mum and his mum has never met his one of his children's i think 16 and he's that's how long the gap is between him seeing his mum and uh, now and it's sort of alluded to that he's you know always put on the front to try and distance himself from his past um the longer the movie goes on the more desperate this scenario becomes he puts all of his eggs in one basket and bets massively on this huge deal his boss isn't so taken with him outside of his personality and actually looks at the fine print of deals but it's too late for Jude who is gradually falling into financial quicksand and emotional quicksand with his wife and his kids who start suffering more and more and it's a psychological thriller so we get these people in this country manner pretending to be billionaires stockbrokers family but gradually everything falls apart and it falls apart quite painfully and badly and psychologically as well um this is a really interesting film i've seen other films like it um I mean it reminded me a bit of the one with Richard Gere which itself was a little bit like uh, Uncut Gems where his life is falling apart but he was a brilliant man in that film who'd made a mistake and it wasn't really his fault anything that happened afterwards but it just compounded and compounded here we've got a guy that is a con artist he's not got the substance or the brains to carry off either the life he lives or the persona he projects Um, and he's found out and it seems to be that maybe he was found out a long time ago as well and that he's been begging to come back Um, the relationship is central between Carrie and Jude Law and uh, their relationship which clearly blossoms when he moves back to London giving you an indication that things were not good um, and then falls very fractiously apart as all of the wheels come off now it could be a very it could it's a still film for um for the probably two-thirds of its running time and very intense emotionally and and psychologically uh there's a very sort of big metaphor about her horse and what happens to her horse (laughs) It's it's, is kind of jude in a way um and and just the you know the, the the builders start not turning up because they've not been paid and 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 the kids start suffering psychologically as well he sent them to these really posh schools for no reason it's 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 like he is the the truer definition of a narcissist than what people think somebody that is desperately desperately afraid of what everyone thinks of them and that's the only thing they care about So he projects such, he doesn't need to project anything like the front he does, but it is his downfall. But the thing that really lifts this film is the final third. It could have been still all the way through and been quite bleak and morose, but the final third, and this is why I've got so much respect for Sean, uh, I've lost his name, uh, Sean Durkin, because he explodes the movie in the final third. Everyone goes manically crazy. As things just spiral hopelessly out of control, the soundtrack is absolutely wonderful. we pounding tracks by The Cure and the Order through this stage. Um, the, both of the t- the, well, like the teenage girl loses it, the mum loses it incredibly, and she's dancing around to I think uh, Bronski Beat in some dive bar in Soho. Um, he has, Jude Law has this incredibly intense discussion where he finally with a cab driver who's driving him home. 20 miles to the ranch uh, and he has his really sort of breakdown where he actually admits everything and uh, the cab driver's quite good to him at first and then basically like get out you haven't got any money have you um but i thought that that really showed a lot of control from sean durkin i thought he balanced everything really well he he did a lot of the silent stuff where each of the um, partners is sort of looking at each other and and where words aren't analyzed but what's spoken has a deeper meaning and you can see it in the faces of the couple the relationship between Jude Law and Carrie Coons is magnificent very intense uh, passionately so and they all bring their own flaws to the table and the the, the denouement like that final third is amazing I thought it really was good and the denouement itself I thought I, I enjoyed it it didn't leave me feeling down I felt hopeful at the end so i think it's really worth seeing don't be put off by it thinking it's too dark but then don't expect something like knives out where it's you know almost cartoon levels of of enjoyment and entertainment it's a stark film for a lot of its runtime a very still one and very still waters running very deep uh before it explodes um so it's a very serious film but it's not without a great deal of fun in the in the final third even though it's not fun for the people uh, so i'm going to give the nest an eight and a half out of ten. First, really good new movie of the year i think so eight and a half out of ten for the nest